We're going to continue in our studies in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah. There are three, this passage is divided into three sections. We've looked at the first section, verses 1 to 7 of Isaiah chapter 46. And this morning we're going to look at the second section of this, which is verses 8 to 11. And then next time, next week, we will look at verses 12 and 13. So, would you turn there with me, and we're going to be reading this amazing chapter together, which has so much to say to us today. Isaiah chapter 46, and I'll be reading from verse 1. Baal has bowed down, Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary beast. They stooped over and they bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I will be the I will be the same. And even to your graying years, I will bear you. I have done it. And I will carry you. And I will bear you. And I will deliver you. To whom would you liken me? And make me equal and compare me? That we would be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver on the scale hire a goldsmith, and he makes it into a god. They bow down. Indeed, they worship it. They lift it upon the shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place, and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. Remember this, and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no one other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country, Truly, I have spoken. Truly, I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely, I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-minded, who are far from righteous. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off. And my salvation will not delay. And I will grant salvation in Zion, and my glory for Israel. This past holiday I had the extreme privilege of seeing a supermoon. No? Alright. A supermoon. There's a supermoon. It's called a perjee syzygy. Now, if you want to wake up in the morning, try and spell that. Perjee syzygy. Supermoon, or the full name for the supermoon is 
is the progesyzygy of the Earth-Moon-Sun system. There you go. I've said it. And a supermoon, the only thing a supermoon is, is when the moon is at its fullest and in its elliptical travel round the, I nearly said the sun, round the earth, it is the closest to the earth. And so the two combine and you see a massive big moon like that. Now, it is an amazing thing to see that. You see, for me, when I see a super moon like that, and I see it sometimes driving up to my place at night, you see this big moon, especially low on the horizon because of the effect of the clean air in New Zealand, like a magnifying glass that makes it even bigger. When I see a supermoon like that, it gives me perspective. Because here I am, little me, and there's this big moon, and suddenly everything seems to be in 3D. And there I see it, it's actually coming around the earth. And suddenly you get this feeling, especially if it's a dark night as well, of this round globe there, and you feel like you're in space. And you feel small. And you realize how God big God is because he's created all these and so I love the supermoon I love the progesyzygy because it gives me perspective it reminds me of how small I am before God you see we're in the first few days of this year 2015 we don't know how much God has given to us we don't know how many days God has given to us there are some of us sitting here who might not see the end of the year We might not see the end of this week. And when you come to the beginning of a year like this, we need to be given perspective. We need to see the progesyzygy of life. Because if we don't, you see, you might become like me. A few times in my Christian walk, we are tempted to walk away from the faith. And you young people, I really want you to listen this morning. Because some of you are going to university, some of you are going back to school, but especially you university students, you college students. This is the time in your life when you will walk away from the Lord. The danger is there. Why? Because you're no longer coming to a regular church service. You're out of your, your family home. You're now on your own. You're making up your own rules. You're trying to study. Trying not to party too hard. The friend's influence is going to be big. This is the time you need perspective on your life if you've made a confession to be a Christian because you will be tested. And if your view of God is big, then you will carry on in your walk before the Lord because of who He is. But if your view of God is small, you will find yourself tempted to walk away. And some of our congregation who are students have walked away. Some are still testing their faith now. How big is your view of God? Because if it's a big view, you will continue to walk because God will continue to do it in you. And so you need to listen this morning to this message. And the rest of us, as we face this year, none of us knows what lies in this year. There are a lot of unknowns. Some of us know that some things will happen. You know when you look at your bank statement that unless a miracle happens, it's kind of, kind of stay the same and so it's, you're going to struggle. Alright? And for some of you, you've got cancer, you've got to deal with it this year and you know the effects of these things. So yes, some things are known. If you're getting older and you're in the mirror and you're struggling to get out of bed, you know these things aren't going to get better, they're going to get worse. 
So we know some things, but we need this perspective. Otherwise, you're going to be tempted to walk away. You might have been praying for many years and your prayers aren't answered. You need perspective this year. Otherwise, you might be tempted to think that God doesn't answer prayer. So what does God have to say to give us perspective this morning? And I'll take you back to verses 1 to 7. 1 to 7. A little bit of revision on what happened. Because it's a, it's a cohesive here. He says, he addresses his nation Israel in this passage. And if you and I listen carefully, he'll address us too. He says to them, Israel, look at the Babylonians. What have they got? They've got their gods, Baal and Nebo. What did Baal and Nebo do? Well, these gods went with the Babylonians. They weighed a lot because they were made from gold and silver. And these gods were put up to worship by these nations. But when they had to move because they were threatened, they took their gods with them. They loaded them on animal carts. And here these animals were struggling through the desert dirt trying to carry these heavy gods. And they didn't have tar roads. And so the roads were uneven. And the gods fell off. And they struggled to pick up these gods again. And all these gods were, were a burden to the nation. And in the end they couldn't pick up the gods. And the gods didn't save them. And they went off into captivity anyway. And, and God says to the nation of Israel, look at the Babylonians, look at their example, learn from them. Gods won't do anything for you. Balanebo can't save you. Listen to me, Israel, he says in verse 3. I have carried you. Jehovah has carried you. Think of those words. He says, as a nation, I carried you. Before you were even born as a nation, I carried you. Before Abraham listened to me and started his obedient walk before me, before you became Israel, I knew you, I carried you from there. And then when you became a nation, when you came up out of Egypt, I took you through the desert. For 40 years I carried you, I provided for you, I carried you. Not just before your birth, but during your life with me. And I will continue to carry you, says the Lord, through to grey hairs. I will save the remnant of Israel. And you're going to go into captivity. And I will save a remnant until your grey hairs, says the Lord. We looked at that last time, so I can't go back to that now. I will, I will be the faithful God to you. I will be the unchanging one for you. I will save you, says the Lord. David understood a little bit of this. Psalm 139, verse 16, he says this. He understood this concept. This is what he says. You saw me before I was born. Think of that. Old Testament insight. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book before I was born. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Do you see that? David understood. That's exactly what God's saying to his nation. I know you. I knew you. I carried you. Because you were part of my big plan. I am the sovereign God. I am Jehovah God. I made you. I'm your creator. And I will bear you and lift you up. I'm your sustainer. I will carry you through on my strong shoulder, says that verse. I am your protector and I will save you. I will deliver you. 
I am your saviour. So he's the creator, the sustainer, the protector, the saviour. And he is for you too at the start of this year because he is the same unchanging God. Nothing has changed. And so he continues, to whom will you compare me then? Verse 5. If this, if, if I am this to you, to whom will you compare me, says the Lord, to those around you? Young people, are you still listening to me? As you go off into your new year, as you come across the temptations that the world puts before you, will you now be compared to compare those with God? To make them your gods instead of God? You see, what do the nations do? The Lord reminds Israel, they hire a goldsmith. They pour out their gold purses before the goldsmith. And he takes the gold, he takes his silver, he melts it down, he makes this image. And then they put this image up on a high place. And then they worship it. So what are some of the gods today that you're going to face, young people? Well, the first one I'll tell you that you'll face is acceptance. You go and join the rest of your mates who are at uni or at college and the peer pressure is going to be switched on. Come on, come along to those parties with us. Come and do the stuff. Your parents, your parents won't know. Acceptance and you're going to, you're going to feel the pressure. If I don't do this, then I'm going to be out. Well, all you're doing is you're making a God of acceptance. Of being someone among your friends. Having a good time, that's another one for students. We must have a good time, especially in the first year, and then the reality hits home. I see a few nodding their heads. (laughs) Don't worry. You see, in the first year, you're tempted to have a good time, and it becomes a God. You know, when we're traveling, when I was traveling down south, we met so many people who are trying to have all the adrenaline thrills, all the good times, because that's all they've got in life. It's one good time to the next good time. When my adrenaline's down, I feel down. It's become a God. Is that the God you would put up before you? Or maybe your bank statement, if you've got a good one. Maybe that becomes your God and topping it up so it always has that magic figure. That plus. Or maybe that big screen TV you've been saving up for quite a while and all the gadgets that go with it. The surround sound. Maybe that's your God. Your specific thing. Or maybe the wheels parked outside in the driveway. You've been saving for how long, young people? And now you've got your own wheels. And man, it gets polished every day. Is that the God that you're putting up before God? Or maybe if you're in a career, your success in your career, and reaching the next level, and getting the next promotion, and getting the next bit of salary. Is that what your God is this year? You see, there is your God And there it sits, says the Lord, and it can't do anything. It can't answer your cries. It can't save you from trouble. In other words, what futility would you compare those gods to me, says the Lord? You see, there's a warning here to the people that God looks beautiful. And to you, those things in life, those attractions will look beautiful. But that beauty is on the surface. It's not going to save you. In the end, it will be gone. And what will you have then? God says, don't compare me to those gods. 
That is futility. I am the real God. And so we get to verses 8 to 11, which is our passage for this morning. You see, they go one step further. God speaks to them and He says, Would you now go and imitate the heathen? Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Would you now go and imitate the heathen? It's a specific address here, you see, to those who already had started turning away from the Lord. Where? Not with their feet yet. In here. They'd already started thinking thoughts away from the Lord. You see, that's where it starts. The turning away doesn't start in the walk. The turning away from the Lord starts in the head. It starts in the heart. When I start thinking about what would life be like if I wasn't a believer? What would life be like if I wasn't a Christian? Like the rest of my friends. He addresses those who are already thinking these thoughts. The wavering ones, I've called them. And he says this to them. Look at the first section there of verse 8. He says, remember this and be assured. Now, you need to take note of this word remember. It's not just, hey, listen. Remember what I've said. No, no. It's the same remember that parents use with their little children. In the original, it's, it's in the accusative form. It's saying, remember. Now, when you're little kids, right, you go and you visit friends. And the one thing with parents is you really want your kids to be kind of well behaved, right? Otherwise they think bad of your parenting skills. And so you'll call them together. I don't know if you still do that, but my mum sure did. She had six boys. She called us together like little chicks in front of the hen and she said, remember, I've told you how to behave. This is what you don't do. You don't grab all the best food. You don't pile your plate high. You don't run and shout and run through people's house. Those little things. Remember what I've told you. It's accusative form. Now the Lord says, in the same way, He says to the nation, Remember who I am. Remember what I've taught you. Remember what I've done for you as a nation. It's in the accusative form. Why must you remember? So that you will stand firm. I want your kids to remember why, so that you'll behave. You get it? Same thing. Remember so that you will stand firm. You see, our actions are determined by our thoughts. And if our thoughts remember what God has done for us and who God is, then the actions that come from those thoughts will be right. That's what God's saying to them. Because the very act of thinking wrong is an act of rebellion against God. God doesn't mince words here. It's rebellion against Him. The moment you start thinking thoughts, that are, what if God wasn't in the picture? That is not a what if question or a thought. It is a thought of rebellion before the Lord. You see how strongly God sees this? And then he carries on. He says, verse 9, I am God. Remember what I've taught you in the past, you rebellious lot. I am God. God. He uses three very distinct words there. The first word is the word I. And in the original it's the word Jehovah. I. The mighty God. I. Am. God. The word am is not just there because it links I and God. It is there because it's the word am which shows continuity. 
God used that name for himself from when he gave his name to the people. He said, I am God from eternity past to eternity future. I have not changed. I am God. And then the word for God is the word Elohim, which is the absolute mighty and majestic one. There is no other. I am God. Jehovah, the one who is continuous, the absolute almighty one, I am God. I am to be marveled. I am to be worshipped. I am God. And so remember what I've done for you. You see, our faith is not based just on an idea of God. He's saying to them, remember the past. Remember the history. Remember what I've done for you in the past as a nation. Remember the plagues in Egypt. I brought them about on the nation. Remember the Red Sea. I brought you through and I saved you from the Egyptian army. Remember the food in the desert. I gave you that food, says the Lord. I am God. Remember the water that came from the rock. I provided it for you. I am God. Remember your history. And then you will walk right before me now, says the Lord. Our faith is not based on some idea of God. Our faith is based on who God says He is and then who God has shown Himself to be throughout history so far. We can't see the future. Who God has shown Himself to be in the past. Not just in the past in the history of Israel, but in the history of this world and maybe in your personal history as well. Who has God shown Himself to be in your life? Did He save you at a time? Well, remember that moment, the moment you are wavering, the moment you are tempted to walk away from the Lord. Remember, God saved me from darkness to light. He did it. He is God. And then you won't walk away. And it's not just the past, it's also the present and the future. You see, with God, you can't separate the past, the present and the future. They're all one before the Lord. To us, they're very different, right? You remember the past, yeah? Most of you. Some of you is getting shorter. The present you should remember because we're sitting here in it and we don't know anything about the future. But to God they're all one and the same. Verses 9 to 11. We can't separate them. This is what the Lord says about himself. I declare the end from the beginning. Now note the specific order here. I know it's hot. You need to concentrate here. He says, look at the specific order. I declare the end from the beginning. He didn't say the beginning from the end. Specifically it says, the end from the beginning. Why? Because it doesn't matter to the Lord. The end is the same as the beginning to Him. And to us, we would write differently, but the end and the beginning are no different to the Lord. Because He declares... The word declare here, you see, is not just I say so. The word declare here is, I say a creative word, and then it happens. I declare it. And so, the Lord declares creatively the end from the beginning. And that's why He knows it all. I declare the end from the beginning. Genesis 1 verse 3, God said, He declared, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. That's what happened, because God spoke it into being. I declare the end from the beginning. Do you see the sovereign God at work? Now next time you're tempted to walk away, think that God knows your end from your beginning. And then you won't walk away. 
But we need to think of these things. We need to be reminded. And says the Lord, I declare from ancient times things which have not been done. Now, what does that mean? It's not just speaking about prophecy. God doesn't just say, I know what's going to happen, like a prophet would. No. He knows what is going to happen because he's going to create the future. He is, he speaks the future into being. It's future creation. That's what it is. And he, he, he does this through saying this, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. My purpose will be established. Note the language used here. And I will accomplish all my good pleasure. There's so much here. It's rich. My purpose will be established. It will be put into a firm foundation is the original word. Like cement today. It will be cemented in place. My purpose will be established. It will come to pass. And I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Whatever I deem as good, I will do. Do you see it? How will he do that? Verse 11. Well, I can call a bird of prey from the east. I can call a man on a specific mission from the west, from a far country. Anything I say, I can order and it will happen. I brought Abraham, didn't I, from a far country and I turned him into a nation. I brought Cyrus as a bird of prey. He was seen as the bird of prey. I, I brought Cyrus to punish you as a nation. But I have done it, says the Lord. And truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. Now, take a note of those sayings there. Because a lot of the nations, the kings would have said this. They would have said, I have spoken. I will bring it to pass. You see, when a king gave an order, he would then end it saying, I have spoken. I will bring it to pass. So those words are quoted here. But what does God say? He says, truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. Can we point in history to a king who didn't fail? They might have said, this I will say, now do it. But some of them failed. Many of them failed. Most of them failed. But God says, in truth, I have spoken. In truth, I will bring it to pass. It will happen. And then he ends with this, I have planned it. Surely, I will do it. Tell me your plans so far. We are in, what's the date today? 25th. We're 25 days into the new year. Have you made some plans that have already failed? I have. You see, we have plans that will fail, but nothing will catch God by surprise. He is the sovereign God. He plans it. It will come to pass because He does it. And He knows about it. Right, that's that passage in short. There's so much we could speak about here, but I won't. So what questions? I want to ask you in three ways. The first one is this one. Remember. I just want to take it from the text. Remember, in the accusative form. Remember. Are you wavering in your faith? Are you saying, all this God stuff is good and well, but... Remember. There's danger here. And uni students, when you go off to uni very shortly, as they usually start halfway through the year, when you go off to uni, remember this. There's danger there. Yes, it's all big and exciting and all the new things. There is danger there. Remember who God is. 
Recognize the danger. Because if you don't, you will start to make a God for yourself very shortly. A God who you think will be deaf and dumb to your lifestyle. A God who you think won't mind that you're not quite that obedient to the truth. A God who you think won't mind that you can serve Him your way and not His. Jehovah God says, no, remember me. And then secondly, stand firm. Remember, stand firm in your thinking before your actions lead to other, before they lead to wrong actions. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this, For as a man thinks in his heart, you want to complete it for me? So is he. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Tell me, men, what do you think in your heart? So is he. Ladies, what are those thoughts in your heart? So is she. Teenagers, when your parents aren't there and no one's looking, what do you think in your heart? So are you. Scripture says so. So stand firm. Remember who God is. Remember His promises. And treat the rot early. Those of you craftsmen or own a house, you will know this, unless it's bricks. If you see rot, if you see borer, treat it early. It's usually too late then. But treat it when you see it. If you leave it, the house will dissolve around you. Young people, if you don't, Treat that day, if you don't treat that symptom that you see in your life early on, when the first temptation comes your way, you will walk away from the faith. Your spiritual life will crumble around you. Treat it early. Stand firm, says the Lord. Why? Because I am Jehovah Elohim. I am Jehovah, the mighty God, who is to be worshipped, the majestic one. So would you now start serving another this year? You see, when you and I stand firm among our friends, when you and I stand firm, even though the unknown is all around us, it speaks a testimony to the world around us. They see what you are doing. They see that you are not going to be pushed around. They see that you are standing up for the Lord. And it speaks out about, not you, it speaks out about God. It's a testimony about Him. But when you say you're a Christian and then you start bending like they are bending and you start falling for everything they are falling, it doesn't speak about you. It speaks about God. It says you don't really believe in Him. And so He can't be all that powerful. And they walk away. I am God, Jehovah Elohim. And so don't be attracted by those glittery baubles in life. They will lead you to destruction. Be warned. I'm your pastor. If you're part of this church as a young person, I'm speaking to you from my pastor's heart. I can't be there with you. I can't be mumming to you all the time when you're away at uni. I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you. Watch your life. Keep your perspective of who God is. And you will not walk away. Because God will do it in you. You see, if you've got a good perspective on the Lord, then He will be speaking to your heart. If you're spending time in His Word, then He will be speaking to your heart. And you will not walk away. But keep that big, 
perspective on the Lord. So that no situation will pull you away. His purpose will be established in your life at uni. His purpose will be established through your life as your life speaks to others and witnesses to others. But stand firm. Because the Lord says, whatever I have planned, surely I will do it. Now, I just want to, in brackets, before I close, say this. Some people have looked at that, they've said, I have planned it, surely I will do it. And they say, well, what does it matter what I do? God will do what He wants to do in my life. I don't have to speak to anyone about the Jesus because He will save those He wants to save. It's called hyper-Calvinism. Now, I'm not going to go down explaining that and it's got nothing to do with Calvin. Alright? All it is, is it's a misunderstanding of what this means. Yes, God does know everything. Yes, He has planned everything. But at the same time, parallel to it, and we can't understand it with our human minds because we, we've got little CPUs that need an upgrade. We can't think like God. While He knows everything, He holds every one of us responsible to. And so, yes, He looks at the way you live. Yes, He looks at the way you think. Yes, He looks at the way you walk away from Him. And He holds you responsible. And yes, God knows everything. He's planned everything. But you are as responsible for your life before the Lord. It's a parallel truth. We just have to accept it. You see, once you've got this perspective, then you can, like the Apostle Paul, who was sitting in prison for a whole part of his life, he was suffering. You can say these words, and I've quoted it for you in this last sentence over here from 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. This is what Paul said, and take note of this. And young people, you might want to write this down somewhere. I know in whom I have believed. I know because I've remembered who God is. I know in whom I have believed. And I am convinced, it's talking about the heart there, I'm convinced that He is able to keep my trust in Him for me. Do you get that? Until that day. If you stay faithful to the Lord, He will never be unfaithful to you. He will draw you back, but He will hold your faith with Him until that day when you appear before Him. And you will stand there changed. And He will say, Come. You are my child. Come into the place I've prepared for you. But you need to remember, you need to stand firm, and you need to remember that Jehovah is Elohim. God is the majestic one who is to be worshipped. A big perspective on God. I pray that the Lord will guard your hearts as you go from us, young people. And for the rest of us staying behind you in Wanganui, I pray that the Lord will guard your hearts and give, him a, give you a big perspective on Him so that we can serve Him with power this year. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank You for passages like this which give us just a little bit of insight into who You say You are. And Lord, thank You that You've shown that this is true as we look through history, as we look in our own lives. Lord, thank you that we can put our hope in this knowledge to know that you, the unchanging God, will take us through until you come again. And then we will be with you forever in eternity because you are almighty. You are God almighty. We give you praise.